Sit back, it's time to get groovy. Question, do you remember that movie? Welcome to our podcast. I am the third Alejandro Rosa on IMDb, and I am your host. Today, we're going to go back, and we're going to go back to 1985. Specifically, the summer of 1985. This is the summer of Rambo, First Blood, Part 2. Fletch, The Goonies, Cocoon, St. Elmo's Fire, Back to the Future, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, The Black Cauldron, Kiss of the Spider-Woman, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Better Off Dead, and Teen Wolf. Joining me in this 1980s retrospective summer is the wonderful, is the amazing, dear friend, Elizabeth Bratton. Welcome to the podcast, Elizabeth. Thank you. That was amazing. Was that was that big enough for yeah, you? Yeah, yes. I feel, feel very welcome and quite special. <laughs> We didn't actually say what we're going to talk about today, but that's no. fine. We'll get to it. No, you got to, you know, sometimes you got to bury the lead. Today, we are going back and we're going back to July 19th, 1985, a small movie in that list of massive films that came out. And that's just the summer that year. Like, I think E.T. came out that year as well. Like, gosh, massive films came out that year. The Legend of Billie Jean is known to, I think, a small group of people. I think after this, there are going to be five of us. I saw it when I was very young. I have personally not seen this film until last night in probably over 20 years. But when I was a child, it played on cable or HBO. I think, yeah, I, I feel like it was HBO. Yes, I, I think you're right. Because, you know, I think they only had like nine movies at that point, and then their rotation was pretty limited. So, yeah, if you saw a movie on HBO when you were 12, you probably saw it about every third day. Before we get into this film, I need to know, where was Elizabeth Brandon in July of 1985? In July of 1985, I was 12, and I was living in a very small town in central Florida. I guess, let's see, 85, I would have been, what, like eighth grade, I think? I did not see this film in theaters. This was just something that I, I'm imagining I probably picked up on HBO, and it was like, Oh, look, children running away from home and having a marvelous time and becoming famous. Like, yeah, I'm into that. Yeah, I can totally watch that. How old do you think you were when you did watch it? Because I'm um, assuming it, you weren't 12. I, well, it, it, I don't think it would have taken too long for it to make it to cable. I mean, this wasn't something that hung around in the theaters for eight months. I mean, I think it was probably a pretty short release. I am imagining just because of the fact that it, 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 just, it wasn't a hit. It, from what I understand and what I remember, it wasn't a hit. So I would guess I was, I would say I was 13. I think in 2008, this film was re-released on like Blu-ray. Okay. And they asked a couple of the actors to do DVD commentary or Blu-ray commentary. Did they remember it? Well, they did. Okay, um, all right. Years later, they okay. actually sat down and watched the film together for the first time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And one of them was Yardley Smith, who plays Putter. Yes. For those of you who don't know who Yardley Smith is, she has had an incredible acting career. I believe most people will know Yardley Smith as the voice of Lisa Simpson. This is her comment on the DVD or on the Blu-ray. Oh, no. 
I remember thinking this film is going to make me a huge star. <laughs> and I think it was barely out long enough to roll the end credits. <gasps> oh, that's dark. <laughs> a little. Oh, gosh. She did okay. No, I mean, that's, you, you know, know, she did fine. She did and fine. And the fact is, I mean, she's got a lot of screen time. Like, she does. she's a, I mean, there really aren't, what are there, like, five main characters? Six yes. main characters? Like, Absolutely. no, she's, this was a, this was a featured role for her. Absolutely. Yeah. So she had every right to believe that. We just didn't know that the movie wasn't going to excel as much as they hoped. So let's talk about this film for a second. Yes, let's. Go on. It's an American drama directed by Matthew Robbins, starring Helen Slater, Peter Coyote, Keith Gordon, Christian Slater, and Yuri Smith. There's a few others. Dean Stockwell has a oh, brief yeah. moment in it. As the ridiculously wealthy, what is he at a assistant attorney attorney general like with his own helicopter District or attorney, something i don't yeah. know that was yeah he was living well <laughs> yes how do we how do we describe this so essentially the movie is about two main people it's about billy jean davy and her brother binks yes right they live in corpus christi texas yes and it's clearly summertime when we're watching this, they, there's nobody's in school. Is what no, I'm saying. Nobody's in school. This They're is all a summer school movie. age. Yes, this, this is, is a summer, summer movie. movie. They mention quite frequently how hot it is. Everyone is sweating in this movie. Yes, I noticed and that. this is Texas. Yeah, like I mean, it's it's you know it's hot and sweaty like 11 months out of the year in Corpus Christi. But it, yes, it is definitely a, a summer film. The film starts out like that. It's a hot summer day. Billie Jean and her brother are on his new Honda Elite scooter. Yes. Which I will add was my dream to own when I was a child. Oh my goodness. The Honda Elite. Can you pronounce that correctly, please? Yes. So I think I told you this already. When I was growing up, I grew up in Puerto Rico and I grew up bilingual, but for some reason, my neighbor had one and he called it an Elite. And so I called it Elite, even though I was fluent Yes. But I never connected the fact that it was an English word until <laughs> not that long ago when I went, oh my God, the word is elite. That's an elite. Yes. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. So we have Billie Jean and Binks. They're out on the town in their little scooter. And essentially they get harassed by a group of guys. Yeah. In, like beach uh, bros. Beach bros. There's no, yeah. yeah, just complete jackass beach bros. Yeah. They're harassing her because she's the pretty girl. And, and that's just, just how you treat women. That is how you treat women. Mm -hmm. And this leads to them eventually stealing the scooter from yes. Binks. And Binks trying to get it back. In the process, Binks gets beat up. The scooter gets beat up. Oh, the scooter gets really beat up. I mean, they like shredded the upholstery and broke the mirror. I mean, it was like, how did they think they were going to get away with this? I yeah. mean, they really like, hi, we're going to take your scooter away from where you parked it. They all saw you. We're going to completely vandalize it. And then he gets it back and it's just like, yeah, it'll probably be fine. Yeah. And he's covered in bloody and just yes. the worst. Yes. And she finds him there in Breezehaven Trailer Court. Trailer Court. They live in Trailer Park. When the motorcycle is stolen, Billie Jean does what she thinks is the right thing. She goes to the police department. Yes. And she says, this guy, Hubie Pyatt, has stolen my brother's motorcycle. And there they are met with Lieutenant Ringwald. Terrible name. In the for 80s. For a brilliant actor named 
Peter Coyote. He is really amazing. And Peter Coyote's character is kind of like, hey, you know, he sees it kind of as a kid prank. He goes, just wait a day or two. And if they don't bring it back, I will, you know, you call me and you know, we'll deal with it. That's not all he says, though. So he says, Billie Jean, you're a very pretty girl. This Hubie was probably just trying to get your attention. To which I say, are pretty people not allowed to complain about theft? Like, what, what was the point there? Like, okay, so maybe you understand why he did it. It doesn't make it legal. <laughs> like, I mean, theft is there theft. There was still a crime committed. Like, that's really your... Well, I mean, I guess his thing was like, oh, he'll probably just bring it back. Right. He just thought it was a like, prank. they don't have the budget, you know, whatever. But there was this kind of like, uh, it's, it's, it, it's still a crime, right? Like, pretty people can be the victims of crime. So it is pointed out from the very beginning of the film that Billie Jean is a gorgeous teenager? Yeah. I mean, I imagine she's, right? I think, still in high school. I think she's still in high school. Um, her young, her Binks is her younger brother. By the way, I have to just say it because I haven't said it. It's played by Christian Slater. So we have Helen Slater and Christian Slater, who for years everyone assumed were I thought, siblings. I thought they were. And it doesn't help that they bleach blonde dyed Christian Slater's hair to match Helen's blonde yes. hair. There is this incredible level of sexism in this film, (laughs) (laughs) which is intentional. Initially, I thought, oh, this is just an 80s film and whatever. But in retrospect, and I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit. No, on the rewatch, yeah. yeah, They were doing it intentionally. They're pointing at this. They are absolutely pointing at this for us, the audience. Look at this. Look at this. There is a scene where right at the beginning of the film, Binks and Billie Jean stop for gas. And uh, Hubie and his friends have been chasing them, mm-hmm. and they show up. And there's this moment where you, where uh, Binks turns around, and Hubie has his hands on Billie Jean. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that? Like he's grabbed her by like the neck. Yeah, it's very aggressive. I, I even wrote it in my notes. Like it's aggressive yeah. gesture, and he's trying to be cute, but and she's just like, hey, like. Which, again, leads to this conflict mm-hmm. where her brother is trying to stand up for her. But this is how the tone of the sexism in the film starts. It starts with that. Well, actually, it starts even before that. They get on the motorcycle, and they're immediately getting catcalled, mm-hmm. and they're taking her picture while she's on the motorcycle. Yeah, I had forgotten about that. Because I, I remember at, at some point there's a, there's a photograph of her that you know, becomes that poster. Yes. And I I had forgotten why there's a photograph of her. And it's because that friend of his has this big old heavy Nikon or whatever and is is taking pictures of her the whole time. Yeah. Before they steal the the motorcycle, um, uh, Billie Jean and Binks go swimming in a lake. Mm -hmm. And it's while they're in the lake that they come and try to get the motorcycle. Well, Mm -hmm. they swim back to the shore. And when she's getting out, the kid starts taking pictures of her. And she's essentially in like underwear and a kind like a of tank top and just out of the cut, lake i mean super she's, high cut yeah, tank she's... top and just out of the lake mm-hmm. and that photograph ends up in the entire film mm-hmm. she has no knowledge until the end of the film that that photograph even exists you notice that no i you're right but no she I never saw it. it no sho- why it would shows she because they everywhere. were on right. the run by the time yeah fast forward so cops don't do anything binks comes home and he's beaten up motorcycles trashed she goes and gets an estimate. Yeah, for how when much... did she have time to do? Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I guess yeah, that morning. She gets, yeah, so she's like, okay, first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to take this thing to a body shop, and I'm going to find out how much it's going to cost to repair it, and I'm going to go directly 
to the father of the child, I guess, how, yeah. how old Hubie is, but he's like, hey, all right, here's what I did today. This is how much it costs to get it fixed, and yeah. uh, let's can I have the money, please? She goes to Hubie's dad, who they just call Pyatt, Mr. Pyatt. He has a store, like a beach store, and she goes there the next day with an estimate from a body shop and says, your son did this to my brother's motorcycle. This is how much it will cost, and hands him the paper. It'll cost exactly $608. Pyatt says, sure, absolutely. I don't keep that kind of cash here. Let's go upstairs. That's where I keep the money. And she is, again, following along. Okay, thank you, sir, very much. Mm -hmm. She's super polite. And she goes upstairs, and he starts by essentially propositioning her, I'll give you $50, and I'll give you $50 every time you come back. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're going to like it. Mm-hmm. And of course, she immediately objects, and he. I was impressed with her, and I yes, go I ahead. was impressed with her because I I, I didn't. I mean, I remember that the scene occurred. I remember that this incident with him propositioning her and getting really handsy and basically assaulting her. Yes. I remember that. What I didn't remember is when she gets up there, she is immediately like, he starts like, oh, you take after your mom. Your mom's so pretty, and she's like, can I have the money? I mean, she is immediately just like, no, this is business. Absolutely. Can I have the money? I have to go. My friends are waiting. I got to go. She makes it a point to yeah. say, my friends are downstairs waiting for me. Yeah. Like, hey, like, don't try anything. People yeah. are here. Like, yeah. She's so smart. She is. And she's, I mean, and she, there is, I, I'm so impressed with her. And the minute that he gets close to her, the minute that he, you know, puts his, you know, arm, hands on her arm or whatever it is. Oh, he grabs, he grabs her by her uh, forearms. Yeah. He grabs them yeah. both. I mean, she is like, absolutely not. No. I want the money. Give me the money. This is not why I'm here. Get, you know, just I, mm-hmm. I, I was I did not remember her being so firm. Eventually, she shoves him to the ground mm-hmm. and tries to get away. Mm-hmm. And in the process, Binks and her friend Ophelia, who is another wonderful character, mm-hmm. they were the ones who drove her there. They come into the store. Bing says, screw it. I'm going to get the money myself and goes to the cash register, opens the cash register, finds a revolver, picks it up just as Pyatt and Billie Jean are essentially he's chasing her. He's chasing her down the stairs. Because he was was straight up. I mean, he grabbed her. He was absolutely going to sexually assault this kid. Absolutely. And I just need to remind everyone, it's a kid. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they run downstairs and and Binks points the gun at him. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, everyone has kind of a moment where Billie Jean's like, put that down. Everyone's like, Jesus, like, chill. Yeah. And Pyatt says, it's not loaded. It's not even loaded, kid. Oh, yeah. And he's, it, at first, this, another thing, he, when they first come down and Binks has the gun, he's kind of holding Billie Jean in front of him, almost mm-hmm. like a little human shield kind of thing. Yes. And then when he decides he's going to bluff it out, he pushes her aside so he's and standing there in front of, yeah, and says, Binks. oh, it's not even loaded. You think I'd keep a loaded gun in the register? It's not even loaded. And Binks actually, it goes. he goes from pointing the gun at him to looking at the gun. Yes. Right? So this is very important because the gun goes off. Binks was not trying to shoot him. No. He looks down at the gun. He wasn't aiming it. He yeah, wasn't aiming he's, it he's anymore. Looking at, he's looking at the gun in his hand. And he clearly pushed on the trigger and it goes off and shoots Pyatt in the arm. Hubie comes back. What does Pyatt say? Call oh, the police. They, they were trying to rob us. They tried to rob the store. So from the beginning, you know, he's going to lie. And they run. They have to. Yes. And again, another moment of, I still think, just Billie Jean bizarrely like 
smart and focused and just like they go home. He's like, get my money. It's on the top shelf. Yes. Pack some clothes. We need to go. We need yeah. to go right now. Yeah. I'm going to write mom a note. Mm-hmm. These are children. These are high school children at, at, at best. Mm-hmm. And she has a plan. The plan is we need to get out of Dodge mm-hmm. because now we are fugitives. Yes. And this is, this is the setup for the legend of Billie Jean. And so they start to run. We have two other friends go with them, Potter and Ophelia. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they end up in an abandoned mini golf park. As one does. And, and so that's where our story goes. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, I don't want to go through the entire plot, but essentially we have these kids on the run. We have Lieutenant Ringwald. I just want to call him Peter Coyote. We I know. Peter he, Coyote. Had, he had that moment where, and I do love this moment where somebody says, oh yeah, this happened and these kids are on the run and here's a picture of Billy Jean. And he's like, oh man, yeah, I messed this one up. Yes. I really messed this one up. Like, you know, she came here, explained the situation. I didn't do anything. And now look what we've got. Look, what it, look what's happened. Yeah. And he starts questioning from the beginning, he's the like, beginning. what happened yeah. in that room, Mr. Pyatt? Yeah. Um, because he doesn't buy the story that no, Pyatt he is knows, selling. No, because he knows the backstory. He knows about the stolen scooter. Mm-hmm. He knows he's met Billie Jean. I mean, he mm-hmm. has seen, like, she's a straight shooter. And it's like, oh, yeah, they tried to rob the store. It's like, mm, are you sure? Yeah, I don't think sure? so. And so it's kind of interesting because, yes, the cops are after them, but there is an ally within the police mm-hmm. who throughout the film is just saying, just turn yourselves in. Like, I want to help you turn yeah, yourselves yeah. in. I, I will say that one thing that the movie is so interesting and, and so great with its date, timestamp essentially of existence is no cell phones, no mm-hmm. social media, no GPS. Mm-hmm. Like You could you, just get in a car and drive and two blocks later, they don't know where you are. They have no idea. In mm-hmm. fact, and you can get to a payphone and call them and they, they still, still don't know, know where you are. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, and I mean, I remember those times. So it's so surreal to be like, yeah, you could actually. Yeah, you could have a life of crime back then. Yeah, you could run, disappear. Boy, did we waste our teens. I know. Damn runaways. Yeah. You guys had it so easy. So yeah, so we have these kids now on the run. And Billy Jean, from the beginning of the film, talking to Lieutenant Peter, Peter Coyote, says to him, we will turn ourselves in. We just want the $608 that is owed to us. She doesn't ever tell him about the sexual assault. She doesn't tell her Binks. She doesn't tell Ophelia. That's She never mentions that. Never mentions it. Until the very end. The very end. But during the course of the film, and she talks to Peter Coyote multiple times, she never brings up the fact that she was sexually assaulted. Nope. It's always about taking care of her brother first. Right. And that's all she says. All I want is a $608, not a penny more, not a penny less. That is exactly what you owe us. And we will turn ourselves in. Go on. Except that thing that they arranged, the drop off at the mall. She says, I want the $608 and I want Mr. Pyatt to give it to me. Yes. That is her only concession to what has occurred between herself and Mr. Pyatt. And she doesn't explain it. No. And I wonder if she wondered if, if Lieutenant Ringwald thought that was weird, but yeah. she was like, I want the money and I want him to give me the money. Yeah. So the, the, the mall scene oh my is such a famous <laughs> scene. Well, for anybody who's watched this movie, yeah. it's a very famous scene, all five of us, uh-huh. because 
Again, Billie Jean being the brilliant person, she says, I'm going to meet you at this mall. Public place. We're going to be at a public place. Here's what I want. I want Mr. Pye to hand me $608 and I will turn myself in. Mm -hmm. The end. But kind of being smart and going, we need plan B. Mm -hmm. They come up with a plan. And I love it because it involves them... <laughs> stealing G.I. Joe walkie-talkies walkie from a toy store and leaving IOUs, which I think is the cutest thing. It is thing the cutest thing. It is adorable. Ever. It's I mean, they're, it's just they, they write out on these pieces of paper, IOU to walkie-talkies, and they leave it in the store when they steal the when property. They, when they steal the property, yeah. yeah. And so they get there. And what does she have in her bag? I forget. It's like... It's like aquarium rocks. Oh, remember? because Putter. Yes. When Putter decides she wants to run away, and at some point, like they're like, "No, Putter, you're not coming." And then Putter says, "If you don't take me with you, I'm going to throw up all over the car or something." Basically, yeah, I don't remember what that was. Gross. Yes. So Putter, when she's packing her things mm -hmm. to go on this, you know, wild trek, she has, I think it's like a marble collection. Or something, yeah. and she pours her marble collection into her duffel bag because she wants to, because she understands how crime works. Exactly. And she wants, you know, like this is, you know, if you're going to be on the run from the cops, well, you don't want to be without your marble you collection. You need your marbles. She also so takes she her giant teddy the, bear. Yes, she does. Because she's the youngest bear? one. I thought it was like a it's like a dog koala. or something. I don't know. I don't know. We don't know what that anyway, was. It's some giant it's not fluffy important. thing. It's, really <laughs> it's not important to the but plot. But the, the important part is that she takes what looks like her marble collection, but also kind yeah. of like aquarium rocks. So yeah, one of the certain. two. It's either yes. marbles it's a lot or aquarium of rocks. pieces of round glass. Yes, that is accurate. A lot. And so we don't know this until a chase ensues, but Billie Jean has them in her backpack. For reasons. Because she's smart. Yes. Right? For emergencies. Yes. And they're communicating via these little walkie-talkies. Yes. So that they know where's the car. Like, clearly they've figured out where she needs to run to get to the car, to get out In of there. In case things go haywire. Yes. Yes. And I think it's also important to know that Peter Coyote is, like, fine with this arrangement, right? Mm -hmm. Again, this is not a big deal. We can, just, we can fix this. He's constantly trying to fix the situation. Mm-hmm. Mr. Pyatt refuses to pay, and we find out that he does have $608 in his hands, uh -huh. and Peter Coyote has actually given him the $608 out of his own pocket. Yes. Which, again, tells us about the character of Peter Coyote, mm -hmm. which, again, is a better name than Lieutenant Ringwald. Oh, um, yeah. So, but, of course. Of course. Mr. Pyatt can't help himself, and he has... Hubie and his friends waiting. Yes, they are very reliable accomplices for his <laughs> his double cross that he his, attempts. His teen, yeah, his yeah. teen gang. Like I have got, I have got a plan, and man, there is no way this could fail. I write this down because <laughs> this happens so many times in this film. Before the sexual assault, Hubie gets kicked in the groin. Oh, yeah. Okay. I only bring this up because in the mall, it happens again. Yeah. When Billie Jean is essentially, you know, they, they attack her. Yes. She does this again. And there's a theme here that happens throughout the movie yes. because I've counted them. Oh, no. How many times Billie Jean has to assault someone <laughs> was that to protect like a thing herself? In the 80s yes, where, like, everybody kicked each other in the balls. You didn't punch somebody in the nose. No, you, you need somebody. You need him in, in the, the balls. Point. Yes, that's, this was that's, this yeah. was classic mm -hmm. 80s, but it worked. Um, 
Anyway, so this chase ensues through a fountain in the middle of the mall. Up the down escalator and then across the barrier and then up the up escalator. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's it's everywhere. It's like a video game. And it's fantastic. And by the way, this was a real mall. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually in Corpus Christi. They did film most of this in Corpus Christi. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. Um, I think it's called the Sunrise Mall or something like that. Uh, yeah. So... Awesome. So they have this incredible scene. And one of the things that I remember about that particular scene is that when she throws, when she opens her bag to release the marbles marbles, slash aquarium things, of course, it makes some people fall down. And my favorite moment about that is not people falling down. It's that Peter Coyote sees what's happening and smiles has an, oh, she's clever. <laughs> like, he's totally like he's amused. he's kind of rooting for he them. He is rooting for like them. Like, he, he wants them to turn themselves in and everything to be resolved, but I think he also wants them to get away. There, there's like a kind yeah. of a rooting factor. I think, I think, I don't think wants them to get away with shooting a guy or whatever, but I right. think he, like, every time things go wrong, can I just say how much I love his line delivery? After, you know, Mr. Pyatt is like, you know, like, oh, yeah, here, have the money. And then Hubie, get her. <laughs> you know, his grand plan. You know, he's very Ghostbusters. It's get very her. Ghostbusters. <laughs> and he turns to buy it and just says, you dumb son of a bitch. <laughs> it's like, yeah, because it's like, why are you, why? Like, this is the worst plan. You're the worst person. This. this isn't yeah. even your money. No, not your like, money. The police are here. All you have here. to do is hand this girl an envelope and it all and is we're all done. The police dumb, was there. They were all there waiting. Yeah. And they were following instructions. Oh, Just yeah. let her turn herself in. No uh-huh. big deal. And by the way, she has told Peter Coyote, this is not what happened. Like, mm-hmm. we did not try to kick, kick uh, we, we did not try to shoot this man, right. et cetera. It was an accident, blah, blah, blah. Of course. So, so this happens. And then there is a kind of a big deal moment in the scene because right when they're stealing everything, Ugh, Binks. Binks being like 15 years old. I mean, I don't know how old you had to be to drive a scooter. In Texas in 1985. uh, I'm guessing 16. Okay, so he's 16 at most. But he has the mental capacity of maybe a 13-year-old? Yes. Because there are a couple of moments with him where it's like, ooh, thanks. He's really young. They really push the fact that at least mentally he's just very immature. When they're stealing the walkie-talkies, which they absolutely need, he steals a toy gun. Mm -hmm. This is also important because this is the 1980s. And it was shortly after this time period mm-hmm. where the rules changed and they decided that toy manufacturers needed to make it clear that these guns were not real. Yes. I remember this because I had my older gun, toy guns, looked real. Mm-hmm. And then they started adding not just the red caps, but they started changing the colors of the guns so that they were like bright colors so that you could always know because there were incidents right. of kids with guns that looked real. Um, but in this one, he steals like a revolver that looks at this point like a real revolver, um, at least from a distance. And so when they are there, and it's amazing, like their chase even involves like Binks is ready to push the garbage. Um, what do you call oh, it? Oh, the dumpster. The dumpster. Yeah, He's ready to the push the dumpster garage. in the parking garage yeah. over the front door after she runs through. Like that was they pretty thought great. of everything. That was pretty great. It's amazing. However, Peter Coyote being smarter than anyone ran through another door knowing that this is they were clearly being chased mm-hmm. in a particular way. So he went another way. And so he catches up to them and Binks pulls the gun. Mm-hmm. Which later Peter Coyote thinks, 
I think that's a fake gun. Yeah. I don't think that's a real gun. And he's like not even defensive or embarrassed about it. He said, no. I'm not sure the gun is real. He said there was a toy store that reported some items, some items stolen. And I don't know if it was another police officer. He's like, you telling me that kid got the drop on you with a toy gun? And he says- It was Dean Stockwell's character. Oh, it was, oh sorry. The it was Moldar. District, District, District Attorney, Attorney Moldar. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, are you no. like, and he's like, yeah. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah. So in the process of this, they start kind of becoming famous. Um, that's actually the first time you see people being interviewed on the news. Is the mall scene. Is the mall scene. Yeah, the aftermath of and the mall And they're like, scene. oh my gosh, like I was there. Yeah, and I saw them do this. Um, I have a, what's the quote? I love it. There's a young girl who they interview and she says, I think they're just picking on her because she's a girl. And I think that's disgusting. Mm-hmm. And the newscaster goes, well, there's the feminine perspective or something like that. Yeah, there's so, a woman's so perspective. Yeah. yeah, so dismissive. So dismissive. And the guy that they interview right after is like, I just love her. I love you, Billie Jean. Like, yeah. And it, this leads to a kind of a fandom mm-hmm. of these rebel kids. Yes. And that was something when I went back, I have not watched this. It's been way more than 20 years since I've seen this film. And I thought, you know, I watched it so many times when I was a kid. I think, I don't know if there's anything new. Like, I think I'm going to remember this entire movie. Yep. That is not what happened. <laughs> was, no. And I it was like, wow, like, this is what going viral was in 1985. Yeah. And they've got the, and, and this was sort of interesting. So they, the, it, the story hits the newspaper because, you know, that's where you got news then. The story hits the newspaper, and the photo they use is not of Binks, the no. shooter. It's Billie Jean's yearbook photo, where she's looking very serene and blonde and beautiful. And it's like, it's it's that moment where the media becomes complicit yeah. in the frenzy. Mm-hmm. Because rather than, you know, accurately say this is the kid that may that you know is accused of shooting the guy it's like here's the beautiful you know 17 year old this this is the story yes. billy jean is the story and of course and it grows exactly. and it grows oh, and it gosh, grows yes. and it grows and yeah. then people are saying oh they they robbed this place so they did this to the point mm-hmm. that at some point the cops are looking at a map and and peter coyote is like throw it away None of this is real. Yeah. They couldn't have been in all these places at the same yes. time. Yeah. Texas is a really big state. Yes. And so, again, we have these kids on the run, but they're also still kids. So they're running out of money. They don't have resources. How are they going to buy gas? How are they going to buy gas? And eventually they do. They and, and Billie Jean's really big on, we are fugitives. We are not crooks. Right. She's still like, even though she's running from the law and she's been accused of whatever, she is like, we are not here to break the law, mm-hmm. um, which is, again, just another another point to her character. So what do they do? They get desperate. They see a house. They look in and they go into a neighborhood of fancy houses and they go, that one, because it's empty. It looks empty. It looks empty. And they go into this house. They sneak in. The window is unlocked. They sneak in. And what do they do? They raid the refrigerator like teenagers. They're really hungry. Yes. There and what do they eat? It, I don't remember. It was like chicken. <laughs> I don't remember. First, honestly. they grab the chocolate cake and oh, the Cokes. that's right. And then that's somebody right. smart grabs the chicken. Okay. Yes. All and right. this is what they're doing. They're eating Coke and cake and chicken. Yeah. And in the process, we discover that there is somebody in the house, a character we will 
eventually learn is Lloyd, the yes. son of District Attorney Moldar. Yes. Um, who is into video and costumes and horror movies, horror movies and like haunted house He's stuff. A giant nerd. Yes. Who has um what do you call it? Um Asthma. Asthma, yes. Or does he? Because or does he? I saw Goonies too. Apparently in the eighties <laughs> all asthma is fake. <laughs> Because it's like it's established that he has yes. asthma, and then yeah. later he's like, oh, I, I, I haven't been taking my pills, and I haven't wheezed once. And I'm like, it's like that kid in the Goonies throwing away his inhaler. Like, Yes. Why was asthma not real in the 80s? I don't know. Maybe it just wasn't cool. I guess not. No. So, and I will say, there was a memory that came to me from my childhood because of this scene with Lloyd, mm -hmm. the rich kid who just gets to hang out in this big giant house because his dad works somewhere else in Texas. Right. At some point... When they befriend him, he walks up to a window and throws himself out of a window, yes. which is actually a giant <laughs> tube slide that leads into a giant pool. To the pool. And I want you to know that for most of my childhood, that was the dream that I had. I wanted a tube slide from my window into a pool, and I'm pretty sure I asked my mom for one after watching this movie. And mm -hmm. I have forgotten... I knew that I had a weird thing about a tube slide. You didn't know where it started. I didn't know where it started. Because all I did was watch TV when I was a kid. So I didn't uh -huh. know which movie it was that I uh -huh. gotten that from until I, re and, I right. and I thought to myself, oh my God, it's the tube slide. Into the pool from the window. From the window. So one of the interesting things to me about, you know, what you're talking about with the class yes. struggle is, so Hubie, early in the movie, Hubie talks about Billie Jean and he, he basically says, don't trust her. She's from the trailers. She's from the trailers. She's from the trailers. And yeah. so there's this this. That's sort when she goes and says, he, and broke, up my, he yeah. broke my brother's motorcycle. Yeah. And that's how Hubie responds. Don't believe Don't her. Trust she's her. from yeah. the trailers. So you've got this sort of class distinction between Hubie's family, the Pyatt's, and Billie Jean's family. And it's like, when you look at that store that Mr. Pyatt runs, it's like, are you sure you're really <laughs> quite the, like, economic elite that you seem to think you are looking down on Billie Jean because a little bit later in the movie we meet Lloyd yeah in this huge palatial house with a tube slide from the window to the pool and it's like Hubie go home yeah Hubie sit down yeah you're like, not rich Hubie yeah you can't even afford a shirt <laughs> seriously he never wears there's a shirt very little shirt no he has a hat very but he doesn't shirt. buy a shirt yeah even though his dad sells shirts mm -hmm. ridiculous yeah Anyway, sorry. Lloyd becomes kind of a supporter, and she, he he recognizes her immediately. Right? Yeah. He goes, "You're Billie Jean." And one of the things that I love about the entire film is that she becomes famous, not by her choice, and she has no interest in this. Mm -hmm. She is trying to prove a point, and she's trying to stick to her point. And uh, it's then in that in that area they're hanging out, and he watches movies. And I think this is kind of, this is where we get to the Joan of Arc moment. Oh, yeah. Which I still kind of dig because everyone else, they're hanging out, they start partying, and he's got movies on constantly. Oh, yeah. He's got like a kind of a mini film studio yes. in his bedroom or whatever yes, bedroom. Yes, he had a, I think he had a, a recording camera. It was beta movie, it said on it. I did not notice it was I beta. I did. It's beta movie. That's oh, what it Lloyd, says. Oh, Lloyd, I just lost all respect for you. <laughs> so everyone goes down the slide. And, has, you know, he calls him like, come on in, you mm -hmm. know, and everybody goes down the slide except for Billie Jean, because in the process, he turned on his TV. They were looking at the news. Yeah, it was she, like a late night movie came yeah. on. And it was one of the black and white 
Joan of Arc, and she doesn't know who it is, mm-hmm. and they and they talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. And then they all go down the slide. They have a little party, essentially. Billie Jean doesn't, and she stays watching this film about Joan of Arc. Mm-hmm. Um, and so later she comes down and she says, "Can you make movies?" He goes, "Yeah." Can you make copies? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he gets it. He gets it. Without her saying it, he says, you're absolutely right. What a great idea. Your sister is going to answer them and send copies to all the TV stations. Because right now, the media is saying all kinds of crazy stories about them. Oh, yeah. They're they're interviewing everybody in every part of the state who claims that, oh, yeah, they came in and robbed my store. Oh, yeah, they came in and, I don't know, burned my car. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But nobody, nobody's ever talked to her. Right. And so she decides she's essentially going to put out a statement. Yes. This is the equivalent of Instagram Live, Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. But so she has him, says, I'm going to be back in a few minutes. And then we have the great moment where she goes and she chops off all her hair. Yes, she does. And puts on a very 1980s top. Yes, she does. And then she gets in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. And I love because her friends see her walk up with her new outfit and her new and her look. completely chopped off hair. Her new Ophelia pretty glorious. looks at her and goes, oh my God, Billie Jean, you look. And somebody says, famous. Yeah. And Lloyd says, St. Joan. Yes. He gets it. He knows. He knows. Yeah. And Can she I just... starts out the she starts out her beta movie yes by saying I am Billie Jean Davy, and I want to set the record straight, and it's awesome, and she essentially says, "Look, this is what we want. This is what's happening." And she says what ends up being her rally call, and what was the original title of this film? Fair, fair is, is fair. fair, nothing more, nothing less. That's it. There is a line that I loved. I know I wrote it down. Hang on. While you're looking for that, Go ahead. I have to say the thing that I thought was really funny when Billie Jean says to Lloyd, where's your bathroom? And he says, upstairs. <laughs> Did you see the size of that house? Do you really think there's only one bathroom upstairs? It's probably like four. <laughs> where's Amazing. your bathroom? Upstairs. Okay, yeah. so this is what she says. And I, and I thought, again, it was important for the character itself. In this video, she says, we didn't start this. We didn't mean for it to happen, but we're not giving up till you pay. That's it. That's the message. Mm-hmm. Just give us the money that you owe us, and we're done. And we'll turn ourselves in. Mm-hmm. And, and she's still saying it. We will turn ourselves in. We are not trying to be outlaws. Mm-hmm. We will do it. My funniest thing about this is that then they make a bunch of copies, I guess, in his beta you know, player. And then... They have this scene where this three-year-old, this tiny little <laughs> white child with red hair, yeah, walks into the police station. Nobody notices this yeah. child without a parent. This child wearing cowboy boots walks into where Peter Coyote is. Somehow knows that's who he needs to deliver this to because he's a child genius, mm-hmm. and hands Peter Coyote a tape. And you're like, "Where are your parents?" <laughs> That was one You're of those moments three. where it was like, like okay, you went too far. Parents? You went too far. There were, yeah, once or twice it, it goes off the rails a little bit. Um, so, again, this kind of creates, so we get this. Now all 
the um, so by TV the time, stations play yes, it. Yes, the, the implication is that by the time the police see it, it has already been delivered to the news station. That's so right. I use big quotes for that. So, you know, they've taken it to, you know, I guess like different network affiliates or whatever, and they've aired it. And, you know, we were talking earlier about this is this is an example of a story going viral before that was a thing. Yeah. But it's just everywhere. And her the video is everywhere. Her face is everywhere. Her name is everywhere. And she becomes like a pre-internet internet star. Yes. It's it's the it's the weirdest thing watching it now. Yes. With with what we know about the way fame can catch and the way that stories can grow regardless of fact. I, f- I found that part of it really interesting. Yeah, 100%. It's wild to watch. And I think maybe now we can understand it a lot better, what, mm-hmm. how fame would work mm-hmm. like that in a way that I didn't understand it back then. Something else about the idea of, of, of fame and media something that I had not remembered about the film at all is that the movie opens with the, the DJ, Jimmy J judge or whatever. The movie opens with, Hey, Corpus Christi, it's Jimmy J judge. It's a hot day, blah, blah, blah. And he kind of is this in and out narrator through the whole thing. Hey, they're listening to him in the car. They're listening to him at the beach. And it's, it, it sort of creates this, it's not a narration because he's not actually in the story. Right. But it, it creates this public side of everything that's occurring. There is a sequence of events where essentially some people are super supportive of Billie Jean, right? Mostly the teenagers. Other folks see her as a threat, right? They get chased at one point, they get she, shot at. They get shot at. She and her brother end up separating. Lloyd and oh, okay. I'm jumping in because I have thoughts. Go ahead. Um, when they are being chased and shot at by the guy in the pickup truck or whatever, mm-hmm. um, this is one of those examples of Banks just not. Yes, he is such a child still. Mm-hmm. So they're being shot at. They're driving down the windshield, the rear, the, not the windshield, the rear window has been shot out of the car. Yes. Binks pops up in the window with his fake gun <laughs> and is waving, the, trying to wave the fake gun at the actual gun. And it's like, dude, like that's a, just stop. This is not a game. Yes. That was just Lloyd like, grabs was, him. Yeah, he's like, Lloyd those are real bullets, you idiot. <laughs> and like, shoves him to the ground. Down. Get down. Those are real bullets. Yeah. And the reason that that even started was because they decided, Billie Jean decided that Putter and Ophelia needed to get out of this situation. Mm-hmm. So they essentially abandoned them. Yes. Uh, this is they turned the, them in. Well, this is after they've gotten shot at. Mm-hmm. Their, their tire is, is shot out. Mm-hmm. So they can't drive the car anywhere that they've been using. But they turned them in. Like she actually calls Peter Coyote and says, you know, this is where they are. This is where they are. Come Just and get them. Let them, let them be. Let them mm-hmm. go home. Um, because she feels bad that she's dragging all these people. Now they're getting shot at. Mm-hmm. And again, once again, Billie Jean being the responsible parent in this whole thing exactly. going, like these, these children are going to get hurt. Yeah. yeah. By the way, I, I'm just going to bring this out. Lloyd decides that the easiest way to help them is for him to pretend to be kidnapped by them, which is mildly oh, confusing. It is, but I have I had a thought watching this again, which is okay. not something I picked up on. So they, they are staying at Lloyd's family's house his dad's house is very very lovely house with apparently only one bathroom upstairs but a slide and 
they are like, okay, thanks for all the fun and the food and making all the videotapes. And now we're going to go. So they're getting ready to leave. And there's a pretty long period of time between them saying goodbye to Lloyd and leaving before he suddenly comes out and says, hey, I've got an idea. They don't have to negotiate you with you, but I can be your hostage. And you wonder, like, how long did it take him sitting inside to try to find some excuse to go with them? Yeah. Because you get the feeling that he's got a pretty weird, solitary life. Yes. And Absolutely. like I can just well, he even says him. he and his fa- da- father don't, don't get, get along. along. Actually, no, the father says that later. Yeah, father says my son and I don't get along. So I just picture him inside, like trying to like how how can I? There's no reason for me to go with him. This makes no sense. How can I? How can I? How can I? And he's like, okay, I got it. I'm gonna be your hostage. Yes. And so he like kind of fake ties himself up and yeah. Five seconds later, they get shot at. <laughs> yeah. And then they lose. You know, I they leave Ophelia and his, Putter. Yes. And now they don't have a way to go anywhere. Yes. And once again, Banks is like, let's just steal a car. And once again, Billy Jean is like, we are not thieves. We cannot. And he goes, yeah, but. And then Lloyd and Billy Jean get into an argument. Yes. And in the process, Banks just goes and steals a car. Yeah. But of course. But they're arguing. And, and they don't, don't even notice. Yes. So he, this is another one of those points for me where the movie goes a little bit sideways. So she does not want to steal a car. Why are they at the valet parking entrance of the country club? Like, how, how did we get there right. if it wasn't to steal a car? And then Lloyd says, if that's the problem, I'll pay for it. And it's like, okay, Billy Jean, that's actually a really good solution. Yes. Like, because at that point, you could buy a used car for a couple hundred bucks. So if, if what they need is a car and Lloyd's saying like, yeah, I could probably get you a car. I, I feel like that whole scene was just created in order to separate them. That's exactly right. It's not the strongest written moment. It was not. Essentially, they are arguing, and then Bink shows up with a stolen car that he pretended the, to be a valet. In the valet jacket. Yeah, he's wearing the valet yeah, jacket. Yeah, like, why were they at the country club to steal the car? If like It's just... It's I, an inconsistency. I, something got cut yeah. there, or something yes. just got, yeah. And so, then the next thing you know, they, you know, the cops they're all come separated. Running, yes. And they have to, and Lloyd and Banks run one way, Billie Jean runs the other, which leads to... The worst the- <laughs> underground railroad that you've ever seen. <laughs> okay, something important to note: <clears throat> the Billie Jean haircut. Yes, becomes the Jennifer Aniston of its time. Yes, it does. And everyone starts getting the Billie Jean. Yes. And so she's literally running down the street with her little backpack. Yes. And a Trans Am pulls up, and a young girl with, with hair, the Billie Jean haircut <laughs> says, "Get in." <laughs> and then the next thing you know, we have this kind of sequence of. All of these people essentially helping her get from point A to point B. Yes. And it does very much feel like an underground railroad of androgynously haircut people. Yes. Of like um, the most indiscreet. At one point when she's being passed from one car to a motorcycle, I was like, <laughs> I got to back up. How many people are in this scene watching this exchange? I counted eight people. Yes. Like every time she changes yes. cars or, you know, so like gets to the next step on this underground, you know, railroad thing there are so many witnesses there are an insane amount of witnesses and then at some point she ends up in a warehouse full of people oh my gosh and they're all applauding and i my thought when i saw that was like oh my gosh she's an influencer (laughs) oh yes she's an influencer she's like she's somebody that they've heard of they've heard of they've got their hair cut like her and she walks in she doesn't even have to say anything they're just so thrilled to be basking in her presence yeah. And she's mildly confused 
Yeah. You know, but grateful but like, because great. she's running from can the I police. Get a ride somewhere else? Yeah. With the witnesses? Fast forward to the end. She makes another deal with Peter Coyote. She says, look, let's do this again. Let's try this again. The exchange. And yes, we'll turn Lloyd in, right? No problem. And even Lloyd gets on the phone to say he's okay. And they agree. And she sets up the terms at the beach in public. public. Unfortunately, Lloyd's dad is also running for office. And so he uses this scene as a way to kind of show that he's tough on rowdy kids and crime and all of that. And we have what ends up being the falling apart of this scene. Once again, Billie Jean has a plan. And somehow it involves Binks dressed as her, turning Lloyd in once they've confirmed that they actually have the motorcycle fixed. So it's not even the money anymore. The motorcycle is there. It is now fixed. Billie Jean is wearing a wig. Of course. And is hiding in the crowd. I know we jumped ahead. Of course, at some point, Billie Jean and her brother get back together. Anyway, here we go. There was actually kind of an adorable moment there because when they separate at the country club, you said Binks and Lloyd go one way and Billie Jean goes the other. But when that scene happens, you actually don't realize that Binks and Lloyd went the same direction. They just all scatter and separate. You're right. So when Billie Jean, who's been running around on this very, very public secret mission from car to car to motorcycle, (laughs) when she finally goes and finds Binks, and they have this really nice reunion, and he says, well, you can take over guarding the hostage. And you see the Lloyds there, and it's like... It's very sweet. It ends up with our little romance story between Lloyd and Yeah, not having ended at the country club fiasco. Exactly. It was just a tiff. Anyway. just bought them a car. (laughs) So we get to the final scene. Binks is there, dressed as Billie Jean, walking Lloyd from the dunes, right, for the trade. Billie Jean is in the crowd with a long wig, Mm -hmm. incognito. Mm -hmm. Um, Looking a little like Adina from Absolutely Fabulous. Yes. With the bandana on it. We learn that there are police officers there with rifles, sharpshooters, which the district attorney has brought. Don't know how he got to do that. And the police officer, Lieutenant Peter Coyote, tells them, no. What the heck? What are you doing? Absolutely not. Yes. And for some reason, they don't listen to the actual officer. Huey, once again, being just the worst. He is kind of the worst. Runs out to where pseudo Billy Jean is and says, it's not her. It's not her. Binks, being an absolute genius, Mensa card owning dude. Pulls the gun on Huey. The fake gun. Still a fake gun, folks, which leads to one of the people with the big giant rifles to shoot Binks. And of course, everyone panics and screams. And poor Billie Jean can't get to her brother mm-hmm. because of the massive crowd of people who have come mm-hmm. for Billie Jean Day. Because, of course, this is advertised everywhere. Mm-hmm. Binks is taken away in an ambulance. And this is for me, and I did not remember this. What do you think about the last scene? Well, one of the things that struck me is Binks gets shot. There's pandemonium. Suddenly it's five hours later. For I don't know what happened with the editing, but it goes from midday Pure daylight, yeah. to night nighttime yes. in like the space that it took an ambulance to pick him up and drive away. Like by the time she's chasing the ambulance, she's it's chasing dark. on foot. Like she's so running I don't after know, the ambulance. I don't, know, I don't know what the original cut looked like, but it was like, wow, that's that was some bullet. In Corpus Christi, you move the sun the goes sun. down. Like, it was amazing. In Corpus Christi, the so, sunset is really fast. It's, yeah, it was so quick. So she has, um, she takes off the wig 
She takes off her, you know, absolutely fabulous wig. And she goes to confront Mr. Pyatt, who has created this sort of sales stand where he's selling that, that the poster that was made from the photo of her getting out of the lake. Um, there, there's all kinds of merchandising that T-shirts, sprung up. hats, frisbees, yeah, buttons, all Billie Jean stuff, all Billie Jean stuff. So he has, he has completely capitalized on this and he's doing really well and he's selling all this stuff. And she comes to him and says like, what the heck, dude? <laughs> she doesn't say that. But she's, that is essentially but, what yeah, she says. She's like, and he's, and he's like, look, this whole thing just got out of hand here. Take the money. And everyone's watching. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, this is. This is like... Because I think, you know, she takes yeah. off the wig and it's suddenly everyone's like, oh, oh my God, it's Billie Jean. Yeah. It's Billie Jean, the, uh, the original so Instagram. She really does look quite different with that crazy wig on. Yes. And he can see that everyone's watching. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, oh, this just got out of hand. You know, I'm really sorry. You know, like, mm-hmm. here you go. Like, I'll give you the money, mm-hmm. which is an affront to her. Mm-hmm. She's like, now, now you'll give us the money. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, my brother's just been shot, mm-hmm. right? My life is destroyed. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to give me the money while she sees this. Not only, and I, it's hard to describe, it is a giant merch stand of Billie yes. Jean stuff. Yes. And they've brought what I can only describe as like a 12-foot paper mache. Effigy. Well, version of her yes. with a gun. It's a statue. It's a statue yeah. of her holding a gun, which she never holds in the entire film. Right. That he's using again to market his merch sale and the face that she gives when she's looking at this and like, what the actual fuck? And she confronts him, but it goes a little further than that because this is when we finally talk about assault. And she says, she quotes him back to him, like word for word, pay as you go, earn as you learn. And that's something that, you know, he said, you know, for us hours ago, for her weeks ago. Yeah. And she remembers every word that he said and quotes him back to him. You told me I would like it. Yeah. And it's like, wow, this is, this has been, this is not something that she's used. It's not something she's discussed, but she remembers everything he said and just throws it back at him. It was so intense surprisingly intense mm-hmm. because I've seen this scene many times. Sure. But I didn't understand it mm-hmm. until I watched it last night with my slightly older eyes. <laughs> I think, yeah, for me, it was, it, it was that recitation. And you don't, re- I don't think that you remember a conversation from that long ago, especially when there's been so much drama and so much, you know, tumult. I don't know that you remember that unless it was really seared into you, which makes you think she's been thinking about that incident, that moment, that thing that happened to her. I think it's been cycling yeah. in her head and you don't, you don't see it come out. No. Except for her little, I want Mr. Pye to be the one to give me the money. You don't really see it come out until that moment. She's like, we're going we're gonna to talk about this. We yeah. are going to talk about this. Right. And suddenly like she changes and we stop talking about the money. Mm-hmm. And we start talking about what he did mm-hmm. in front of everyone. Mm-hmm. She's just reached the point. Like there's nothing left here. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's so insanely powerful. And then we get what I can only describe as a mildly dramatic, but I still think flows with the plot, which is that. She, he falls over, knocks something over. 
I think it's a torch. It's like a tiki torch or I think something. he's got tiki because torches, he, yes. As we learned, it's five hours later now. So they have <laughs> to have torches to light the merchandise booth. And someone on the tiki torches falls over and starts a little bit of a fire. Mm-hmm. And nobody does anything. Oh, yeah. Nobody does anything. And the cops are there. The district attorney's there. We're all standing there. Yeah. And nobody does anything because they just heard this entire conversation. Yeah. And this definitely feels cliched, but I still think it worked, which is... All these people with their merch on, having heard this conversation, mm-hmm. start taking off their merch, their hats, their shirts, T-shirts. and just start throwing it into the flame. You know, I think the person who starts it is Lloyd. I think it is. Because Billie Jean, when she when she first starts her conversation with Pyatt, she she pulls a poster of herself down, rips it and rips it in half. And Lloyd picks up the torn poster that she has ripped in half and puts it on the fire. And that's the thing that sort of starts it. And I think when I saw this movie as a kid, it was like, oh, so Billie Jean's not famous anymore? <laughs> like, I do. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, no. 13-year-old me was quite wise. But it was like, oh, it was just like a trend, and now the trend is over. But like, yeah, I, I think I'm with you watching it this time. It's like, no, I think people are realizing who is benefiting from this fake activism. Yeah. Can I say that? Maybe. Like, I, I never, like, I never like quite jo- understood like the... Joining yeah. a cause, but not really understanding what you're supporting. Yeah. It's like, yeah, fair is fair. You know, don't pick on teenagers and, you know, like all this. But it's like, oh, we have been feeding into the machine that we thought we were fighting. Yes, absolutely. And so the scene ends and eventually our last scene is of <laughs> Billie Jean and her brother finally making it to Vermont. Which they have been talking about the entire movie. It's like their dream is to go to because Vermont. Because they live in Texas and it's hot and there are alligators and they know that there's a place mystic, mystic what's the word I'm looking for? Mystical, mysterious, mystical, magical, mysterious, magical place called Vermont. called Vermont where there are no alligators and it, it the summers are not so hot. Why didn't this movie do well? It's actually well acted. Mm-hmm. Helen Slater really, really nails it. Mm-hmm. She is extremely powerful, and that is not something I remembered. Why didn't this movie succeed? I could not possibly tell you. I, I really, it, my memory of film from the '80s is so flawed because I got to know so many films in cable TV or HBO rotation, and had no idea that they weren't box office hits. Right. Like I just, I just didn't have that. I, I wasn't in the industry. I didn't know anyone who was in the industry. I didn't really care about box office numbers or returns or ratings. It was just, you know, oh, this looks good. Let's go to the movies. Or oh, this looks good. Let's let's watch it on HBO. So I, I don't. I mean, it may have just been a matter of timing. Yeah. I mean, there may have been other teen films that were more appealing, or it might have just come on the heels of some other successful teen film. People are like, oh, I don't want to see another movie about teenagers. I have no idea. When I was doing research for this particular film, I told you that initially I didn't find anything. And that just led me to realize that this movie was not a very big success. It, was not. it really um, wasn't. It was kind of one of the articles described it as how did this end up on the garbage pile of 1980s movies? And there were a lot of different arguments made, a lot of different articles. I highly recommend anyone who's really interested in this to try to find these articles. I will try to remember to link some of them in the description to the episode, because some of them are quite good. Here's a quote. Why is it forgotten? Many signs point to gender. There are plenty of not great, cheesy 80s films that 
achieved cult-like status. They're almost exclusively male-driven. She is not the silly, cute 80s girl. She is outraged. She is outspoken. And that is consistent throughout the course of the film. Three years later, in 1988, Christian Slater is part of a teen film that is dark. <laughs> I know where we're going. That contradicts <laughs> the optimistic teen movies of the 80s. Yes. A little film called Heathers. In an article, uh, a writer named Audrey Fox actually wonders if Billie Jean had come out then, would it have been better received? Because it was against type. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Right? These are all theories. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't think you can blame the soundtrack. So the, <laughs> the soundtrack oh is my God. fantastic. The main theme is called is Invincible by Pat Benatar. Uh-huh. They never released the soundtrack. The movie was not successful enough for them to have a soundtrack. To have a soundtrack. Album. Eventually, yeah. Pat Benatar released Invincible in another one of her records mm -hmm. because there was no there is mm -hmm. no soundtrack. But yes, great soundtrack, great music, great acting. Billy Idol. That's right. Billy Idol's in that there. That whole mall scene with the marbles. It's, it's, it's all scored to Rebel Yell by Billy Idol. You cannot beat that. And even the, the scoring that's not, that's not songs sounds, because I've really noticed the scoring. It sounds very 80s. It's very synthesized. It sounds very 80s, but it's not, it's not the kind of 80s scoring that detracts from the story or dates it. It just makes it sound kind of creepy. Yeah. That little kind of keyboard. Doo, 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 doo. Like it just feels, it feels right for the time period of the film without being like, oh no, it's the keytar. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I thought the scoring was, was, was good. It was, it, mm -hmm. it gave it this atmosphere and those weird things with the empty golf course, mini golf course. And it had this kind of eerie little synthesizer music. All right. I'm going to read one more quote. This quote is from uh, Jessica Landivar Prescott who wrote an article called Feminism and the False Criticism of the Legend of Billie Jean. The character of Billie Jean, a female lead in 1985, is given a story arc which highlights her fortitude and does not propose that any male figure will offer deliverance. No one rescues her. She alone is responsible to resolve how to be an outlaw in her own skin. Her commitment to her morals, her fight for justice, the shedding of her identity in favor of adopting to her new role as a sensitive warrior, finding inspiration from Joan of Arc, and her willful direction in the outcome of her plight should all be grounds for the legend of Billie Jean's inclusion into the feminist film canon. I, I agree. This is a character who does not at any point need rescuing. She rescues herself. She rescues her brother. She rescues her friends. What do you think about that? I, I don't know that I see it in terms of gender because I don't, it, I don't know how I'm going to say this correctly. So I'm just going to say it and then fix it if I have to. Perfect. What happened to Billie Jean with Hubie? What happened with Mr. Pyatt? What happened the first time she went to the cops was definitely because of her gender. There were things that happened to her that would not have happened to a male presenting person. But once she goes on the run and starts making those decisions, she's, she's making decisions with her own agency and not as a reaction to the way she was treated as a woman. I, I, I understand that there, that, that things happened to her that would not have happened had she not been perceived the way that she was. But once she steps into herself, it doesn't matter. She's just being a person. She's being a person who feels as though 
justice is not being done. Is that a weird thing to say? Nothing's a weird thing to say. No, it's fine. <laughs> no, that's absolutely fine. Okay. Like I am pulling for her no matter what. Absolutely. Okay, Lynn, let's, let's, let's rephrase the question. Does this 1980s film deserve to be completely forgotten? Oh, I'm going to go no. Why? Because it's oddly prescient. It hints at something, and I don't think this was intentional. When they made the film, I don't think someone was like, let's look at the role of the media in You don't think life. so? I mean, I think there was a, I mean, obviously there was a sense of like how fame can be misleading and, you know, how fame can be an asset. And like, I get that. Like it, like you said, you quoted that thing, you look famous. Yeah. Like that was going there. But there are things about those viral moments yeah, that did not seem like a criticism to me. Yeah. That seemed like rah, rah. Mm -hmm. You know, that seemed like her army. Yeah. I don't think that was a criticism. I think the mm -hmm. end bit with people taking off their merch and throwing it into the fire. And by the way, that fire scene, I think the film blew their budget on that truck wreck in the ravine and had very little left for that fire scene because <laughs> it was like kind of hazy, soft focus. I don't think they actually... Yeah. They didn't have much left. They now. did end up burning the statue of yes, Billie Jean. Yes, it was that... very flashback to her watching Joan of Arc Absolutely. being burned at the stake. That was a little heavy-handed. A little, but I... it was fine. I mean, I think I, it was... To me, that was... Okay, so me... Okay, I, okay, let me tell you how I interpreted that. You tell me what you thought. Okay. Because maybe I'm reading way too into this movie. Okay. To me, it was like, okay... Because she watched it fall. She watched it burn yes, down and did. fall. Yes. And then the next scene after that, it's over. Mm -hmm. The the wild ride of Billie Jean and her gang mm -hmm. is done and she has moved on. And I saw that as a moment where she saw essentially herself, this image portrayed of herself mm -hmm. in a grand scale, done. It's over. And I felt like for me, that was a moment where she was like, okay, I'm done with all of this. Mm -hmm. And she walked away. And she went to Vermont, as you do. So that we've got Joan of Arc, and I get the inspiration. We do not need to mention it again. And again. we definitely do not need to burn Billie Jean in effigy to understand this little Joan of Arc thing. Because if you are equating this story with a woman who led an entire army, I think we need to, you know, kind of... Work on our perspective here just a little bit. It just, it looked like, I, I, I'm not kidding. It really looked like they had already blown their budget on that truck rack. Flipping over, yeah. Yeah. I think in those moments, you're reminded it's a 1980s film because they have to go big. They have to go big. Yes. And I mean, they got Billy Idol for heaven's sake. Right. Peter Coyote. <laughs> and Peter Coyote, who clearly the great Peter Coyote read this script and saw the merit in it. I, I, I see the merit in it. And especially now, like I, I really thought this was going to be me watching a film that I thought was very flawed when I was a child and realizing it was even worse. And that's yeah. just not what happened. There were a lot of moments where I was like, oh, there's kind of a lot going on. Going back to the very beginning when Binks is taking his scooter out of the garage and he's like polishing the mirror. Like he freaking loved it. Like there was, there was something that he, it was something that he attached to the scooter. We find out that his father's dead. Yes. We don't know the details, but his, never, they never tell their, us their how, mother what happened. says, oh, he loved to go fast just like you. And you're like, oh my gosh, was it a car accident? Was he killed? 
And you like, realize there's a line at the very beginning of the film where mom says that he got that motorcycle because they have nothing. They live in a trailer. They have nothing. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have a car. Uh, clearly not, or they would have taken it on their little That's you know, crime That's an excellent spree. point. Yes, you're right. And, you um, know. That was money that Binks got from his dad from the insurance mm-hmm. when he died. So that motorcycle is what he has left of his dad. Mm-hmm. That is clear from the very beginning. It was and really, it was, it was touching. Yeah. Can I say something else that I noticed this time that I'm not sure I did before? Of course. Remember I was saying I remember the thing where like Billie Jean's mom, like one of the early scenes, Billie Jean's mom is going on a date. And yes. she says, you think this one will be different, Billie Jean? And she looks out the window and there's like this big grinning guy in a car. It's like, oh, he looks real nice. Go forward to like almost the end of the movie. You know what I'm going to say, right? I do. Almost the end of the movie and the news crews are there and the radio DJs there and they're interviewing Billie Jean's mom. There's a guy standing next to her that looks oddly like that guy in the the car from that first date. I'm like, oh my gosh, that one was different. I never noticed either. I never saw that. I was like, oh my gosh, she's still with him. She's Mm -hmm. like, she met a guy. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. I will say that is, you know, going back to when she records the video, mm-hmm. she does talk to her mom in the video. Yes. To oh, make sure like, that we'll she understands. And, yeah. Yeah. She wants her to understand, like, we're okay and we didn't do this. Mm-hmm. She addresses her mom directly. Yeah. Which, which they, again, seem to have, they seem to have a really close relationship. It's kind of nice. Yeah. Binks is an idiot. He's a child. Yes, He's a child. He is. I agree with you. We talked about this movie as a joke. Because I, I was like, does it we have were ha- to okay. be a movie we thought was good? Right. Or we were okay. So, like- just to give some context, you and I were hanging out and we were talking about the podcast and we were talking about different films. And the biggest problem that some of my dear friends have is that a lot of them love to rewatch. So, one of the rules for this podcast is that it has to be at least 10 years since you last saw the film. And you brought up The Legend of Billie Jean, which I had completely forgotten about, (laughs) as a movie that I had seen as a child multiple times over. And I I thought it was a great idea. And you were like, really? Are we really doing this? (laughs) Now, I will point out, I also thought this movie was going to be a train wreck. I really did. I was like, oh my God, like... We had just do, done the seven episode, which is a beautiful David Fincher film. Beautiful. You know, a brilliant, let's say it's not beautiful. It's Haunting. a brilliant, hauntingly brilliant David Fincher film. Mm-hmm. And I remember I told somebody, yeah, and now I'm going to do a 1985 film that nobody cares about that I don't remember if it's any good. And I didn't yeah. think it would be. I didn't think so. And last night when I sat down, I was like, okay, here we go. Let's watch The Legend of Billie Jean. Like I started having the same thoughts I know. You. I was, I was like, like, oh my gosh. We should have done something else. Yeah. And then I watched it and I texted you because we ended up watching it almost at the, the same, exact time. same time. Yeah. yeah. I sent her a text and I was like, hey, I just finished it. And she's like, yeah, I finished it five minutes ago. So mm-hmm. we were watching it together. Like I, yeah. Literally just, I finished it, walked out of my porch and got a text from you. Yeah. And... And what I said was, I'm so glad that we picked this, that this is the movie we're doing, because it was such a surprise to me. Like, wait a minute, this movie isn't horrible. This movie is better. I still maintain it is flawed in multiple ways, but some of the stuff I remember not understanding when I watched it as a teen, young teen, made more sense now. 
I, I, again, I was struck with the film opening with that DJ and just setting the tone for the media covering and narrating everything that's happening and how crazy that can get. Is it worth it? What do you think, Elizabeth? I think, I'm, you know, uh, I'm going to, what is it that uh, Roger Ebert used to say? I'm going to give it a marginal thumbs up. But I think that you should definitely watch it with a friend. I kind of think that's the perfect way to end it. You can watch this movie on Amazon. You can watch it on Apple TV. You have to rent it. It's not free. It's not on Netflix. Check it out. And as Elizabeth said, watch it with a friend. It's going to hit nostalgia, and it's going to be fun. And also, there's a little bit of sexual assault, but you know, you will get through that too. Till next time. <laughs>